Join Edwin Frondozo on the Business Leadership Podcast every week for a unique program featuring insights and actionable items from the world's most successful business leaders. Hear firsthand the exclusive interviews and personal journeys on how today's transformational leaders made it to the top. And we need to understand that we control our days. We control our time. We're far more in control of our lives than we actually give ourselves credit for. And so although it might seem like you need to hustle, you need to be super busy, you need to just keep hammering at all of this, it's when we initiate these principles like a daily workout that we make leaps in our ability to execute. This is the Business Leadership Podcast, and I'm your host, Edwin Frondoza. Welcome. How's your day going? Thank you for joining me on this milestone episode, episode number 100. So before jumping in and introducing my guest today, I just wanted to take this time to thank you for listening. Thank you for joining me on this journey of 100 episode. I'm really grateful. I feel honored to spend time with you to share these amazing conversations that I have with these business leaders, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders about their journey when it comes to business leadership, what they've learned, and how they've grown in their past. So really excited to get to another 100. For those who supported me in day one, thank you for your support. This episode, I'm super excited to introduce my guest, Dr. Greg Wells. He's the CEO and founder of The Wells Group, which is a global consulting firm committed to achieving the moonshot of helping teams, schools, and businesses become places where people get healthy, perform optimally, and ultimately reach their potential. He's a scientist and physiologist. He has dedicated his career to making the science of human limits understandable and actionable. Dr. Wells has worked with some of the highest performing individuals on the planet, including Olympic and world champions, and with organizations ranging from General Electric to BMO, Deloitte KPMG, BMW, Audi, Cisco Foods, YPO, Air Canada, just to name a few. He is the author of three best-selling authors, Superbodies, The Ripple Effect, and The Focus Effect, and he's hosted the award-winning Superbody series, which aired on the Olympic broadcast worldwide. And in today's episode, we actually talk about the top five-step process for establishing a healthy, high-performing team. We talk about the adverse effects of being in a hustle mode and what that does to your brain and how to work smart and achieve the the lifestyle that you ultimately want for you and your family. This episode is brought to you by Slingshot VoIP a leader in business voice AI technologies that help companies, business leaders understand what the customers are saying when they are calling in. The Business Leadership Podcast is a friend of the ITWC Podcast Network and supported by our media partner, IT World Canada. Now, here we go. Welcome to the Business Leadership Podcast, Dr. Greg. It's so good to be here, Edwin. Thanks so much, man. Appreciate it. Well, I man, I'm super excited. I'm super excited to to have you and, and really get to know a lot about you and your work. But let's, uh, Doctor Greg. I am gonna call you Greg if you don't mind. Uh, yeah, let's from do it. here on, since we're all friends, and I want you to be friends with everyone that's listening. Um, um, Greg, can you start off by introducing yourself? Tell us 
who is Greg and what does Greg like to do when he's not working and, <laughs> and growing business leaders? Um, so yeah, outside of what I do on a daily basis, my number one priority is my kids, my family. I've got a four-year-old and an eight-year-old, so I just spend as much time with them as I possibly can. Uh, so tonight, for example, I'm taking my daughter to see a concert. It's going to be a blast. She's super psyched. We'll go listen to music for a few hours. It's going to be great. Um, I've, I invest heavily in sports equipment for my kids so I can drag them off to do the stuff that I like to do. So they've both got good mountain bikes. Uh, we go skiing. I've got some good ski gear. They've got surfboards. I take them surfing. So I love being outside. I love doing um, physical activity. And I now I'm just you know, re-engineering everything so I can drag my kids along with me whenever I do these things. And, you know, I love training as well. I just like being, being fit. Um, I, I find that, uh, you know, cycling and running and swimming are good for my brain, love lifting weights, uh, just makes me feel better. So that's kind of what I do when I'm not working specifically is I just either train or I just spend as much time doing cool, fun stuff with my kids as I can. Greg, I, I, can I be can I be in your family? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty hilarious. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. I, and nice. I I love that you're training. I'm training now uh, for my fourth marathon, the Berlin Marathon. So I'm like I, like I'm super excited to, to to learn more about you. So why don't we just jump right in? Just a quick high level, Greg, for your listeners. If you could just tell us a little bit about your work, because we will we will dig it deeper a bit um, a bit later. Your background. And maybe if you could share what you're trying to accomplish within your business over the next six to 12 months. Yeah, sure. So I'm a physiologist. So I study how the human body works. Everyone's probably familiar with a psychologist. They study the brain and the mind. I'm a physiologist. I study the human body. For almost 20 years, I worked with the Canadian Olympic team, worked with almost 200 athletes, have commentated two Olympics uh, for Canadian television as a sports science analyst. And concurrently, I worked at a children's hospital doing research on exercise medicine for kids with chronic diseases. That has morphed uh, since I commentated the Olympics into a public speaking career and, and, and books. So I'm, I'm now trying to take all of that information that I pulled from the extremes of elite human performance in sports and the lit and the, the really devastating effects of chronic disease and that the negative effects of uh, sort of the, the bottom limits of our health and taking all of that information about what we can do to perform at our best and be as healthy as we po can possibly be and apply that to the business world. Because I believe that, uh, well, I want to affect a billion people in my life. And I know, you know, many people probably heard that billion person solve a billion person problem from Peter Diamandis. And I'm trying to help a billion people be healthier and to perform better in their lives. Uh, and I figure that if I can do that in businesses and schools, I will be able to affect people where they spend the most of their time. So imagine if you could, Imagine if work was a place that when you went there, you got healthier, you performed at your best, you were able to reach your potential on any given day. And the same thing for schools. Imagine if schools were places where kids went to get healthier, to perform better, to reach their potential. And that's what I'm trying to craft right now is uh, the knowledge, translate the knowledge from the research to help people do that and to activate that in their own lives. Oh man, that's amazing! I love, I love that work. I love how you're putting it all together and and bringing it down to to children because I have a young daughter as well. So super important. Hopefully, I could help you with my network or or with your special projects. Help you get to that billion as well, <laughs> Greg. Um, one thing I want to get into, and, and you already alleviated to it. 
because you worked with the Olympic athletes and these are elite athletes. And a lot of your work is, you know, drawing the parallelism between elite athletes and top executives um, that help them lead, perform at the highest level. So, I mean, you've done a lot of research, Greg. So what does the science behind these world-class athletes um, say about improving performance and health within the business capacity? Yeah. So if you're a business person, you're trying to figure out like, what do I take away from this? What, you know, what does Greg know that, that can help me? Uh, you know, obviously we don't need to be training physically eight to 10 hours a day, but you're working in your business eight to 10 hours a day. And what I've discovered about elite athletes who are successful. And now that I'm spending more and more time with business people and some of the most successful business people on the planet, which is just such an incredible gift and opportunity, uh, I'm so grateful for it. What I've discovered is that there's certain patterns that are emerging. And, you know, when you when you do this enough, you end up with pattern recognition. And I'm seeing that a very consistent pattern is consistency between lifestyle and what you're trying to accomplish. So those people who are successful are successful because they've crafted a certain lifestyle. And I think the mistake that a lot of us make is that we think that we are going to work really, really hard. We're going to build our business. We're going to sacrifice our health in order to build this business. And then once the business is awesome and it's crushing it and I'm dominating, then I will work on being healthy. And I will, then we'll have the lifestyle that I want because I'll have the money to be able to do that. And frankly, I think that's backwards. I think that if we craft the lifestyle that we want, that ultimately that is what sets the stage for people to be successful similar in sports. If you craft a lifestyle that enables you to be a 24-hour athlete, you're going to reach your potential physiologically and in your sport. Similarly with business people, I would love for you to consider your lifestyle. Are you training so that you are physically fit? So you have the energy that you need to be able to crush it during the day at a sales meeting, at a strategy session, uh, in whatever it is that you do in, in your work. Is your nutrition aligned with your business goals? Do you eat to fuel or are you now, eating to address last minute cravings is your mindfulness practice enabling you to think at a higher level. And when we do all of these different things together, it opens up our potential regardless of what field you're in. This applies to music, drama, business, academics, sports. These are universal human truths. And it's definitely something that I think a lot of us can learn to do better. And the cool thing is that when you do this, it doesn't mean that you can work harder. It means that you can work better, faster, more easily. Ultimately, it eliminates tension out of your life, which which I actually think is one of the biggest uh, restrictors for us reaching our capacities. So yeah, that's probably the biggest thing I've learned is this pattern recognition around lifestyle aligning with your goals and dreams. I love that. Um, and one thing I want to bring up because, I mean, I'm a tech founder. I'm, a, I'm deep in like um, the startup ecosystem. And, and there's this culture of hustle, uh, right, Greg, and I'm sure you've heard it. You've 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 seen it, and maybe you've, you've worked with high achieving entrepreneurs. And it's like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna exit, or I'm gonna get to a hundred million revenue, and then I'm gonna work, and then I'm not gonna work. What have you found with that culture and it being backwards from what you were just saying? Do you find them burning out, or they just can't get into that life quote unquote lifestyle that they dreamt about? Oh yeah, we absolutely see them burning out. So one of the things that's not talked about enough in startup culture and in entrepreneur in the entrepreneurial landscape right now is the very high rates of mental health challenges around depression, anxiety, and especially suicide in the 
entrepreneurial group. It's a huge risk. And so, uh, I, and I think that everyone hustles to, and as you should, you should hustle. You, you need to hustle. We're in competition with other people. We're trying to achieve things that have never been done before. We're trying to create products that are game changing advances. We're trying to push those out into the market and create adoption of those products. I get it. We've got to do that. The challenge that we're facing right now is that people spend all of their time in hustle mode and that so hustling is basically uh, when we are hustling, when we are working, when we are thinking, when we're speaking, when we're presenting, when we're negotiating, that is a state that creates what we are now understanding to be beta waves in the brain. So your brain has certain patterns in which it operates. And when you are in hustle mode, you create beta brain waves, which enable you to do that hustling type work. The problem is that we're spending all of our time in beta. We're hustling, we're super busy. And I don't believe that we're spending enough time, not just in beta, which you should be in from time to time, but there's other brainwave states that actually improve performance in different capacities. So when you're reflecting and learning, you activate a type of brainwave that's called alpha waves. And so we cannot get deep insights when we're hustling. We need to stop. We need to pause. We need to create some space. We've got to be physically still. We've got to relax our minds and stop racing, our minds racing. That enables you to activate alpha waves, which is when you're reflective and you learn. Even deeper into this, there's a brain, uh, there's a brain state, which is when we are creative, when we're problem solving, when we're uh, making connections between different things that we're doing and that we didn't necessarily see before when your awareness is expanding. It's that idea for a pivot or the idea of a new product that you may be able to pull together. That Those ideas come to us when we're in theta wave brain activity, uh, daydreaming, basically. That's why you would get great ideas when you're sitting on a beach staring at the waves and all of a sudden this idea pops into your brain, this powerful insight or it happens very commonly to people when they're in the shower in the morning and everything else is stopped. You've got rid the rhythmical patterns of the water around you. Nature helps us to do those. So that's really what I think people need to be aware of is that the hustle is important. We should all hustle, but it's not the it's not the it's not that you should be hustling all the time, which is the culture. World class performers, the people that are really taking things to another level, the people who are truly innovative, the people who are really coming up with new ideas, new solutions to old problems, combine those three brainwave states. And there's another one called gamma waves, which are really difficult to achieve. But moving yourself through those different brainwave states enable you enables you to differentiate yourself from everybody else. And the typical thing that everyone's doing, which is simply hustling until you exit and or your business fails. Um, and even if you do have a $100 million exit, and you're sitting on a beach, you're probably only, only going to be there for a few weeks before you're poking your eyes out with a fork because you're so bored and you attack the next thing. Because if you're an entrepreneur, it's you're just an entrepreneur, you always will be an entrepreneur. So we need to do things a little bit differently. And uh, I think by doing things differently, it really opens up our potential. Well, that's great. I got one more question for this, uh, you know, getting into all these different brain states, and it's super fascinating. Um, do you um, prescribe um, to two business leaders or elite athletes to hit each of these brain states per day, or is there a balance or is there, you know, you need to do meditate five minutes or five minutes is not enough. Like, like what do you say to people mm. when they're like, okay, that's great. I, I get it, Greg, but how do I fit that into my, 
uh, 16 hours waking hours, for example. Yeah, that's a, I mean, that's always the game, right? Is optimizing our lives. If, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably interested in truly optimizing your life and pulling all of these ideas together. There's a few things I think that you need to do every single day. I think that you need to exercise every day. The data is absolutely clear that when you activate yourself physiologically, your brain pr- improves its performance. It improves your ability to concentrate, focus, be alert, and be creative. Uh, we specifically know that walking improves creativity. Walking in nature improves problem solving. So one of the things I've activated in my life and in my team is that we do walking meetings as often as possible. We try not to do meetings sitting down. We try to do meetings when we're walking. Uh, You can do phone calls while you're walking as well with all of the technology that's available to us these days. Um, In terms of meditation, which is a great way to train your ability to concentrate and to focus and to shift between theta, alpha, and beta waves deliberately. uh, I think that daily meditation is another practice that's phenomenal. There's research that shows that as little as three minutes of meditation a day is beneficial. So you can throw on the Headspace app or calm.com and do three minutes of meditation first thing in the morning or during a break in between meetings to help to reset and to refocus. That has benefits. I aim for about 15 minutes a day. Uh, I was crushing it a little while ago. When I was at 20 minutes, I'm trying to get back to that level now. I think that doing that first thing in the morning or late in the evening is, is extremely beneficial. And then I truly believe that you need to, as an entrepreneur, as a business leader, Uh, you have to find 90 minutes a day to work on your most important project in a completely undistracted environment. And that might seem completely insane um, and impossible, but I want you to, I want everyone to sort of consider the story from the the founders and the the leadership group at LinkedIn in the months uh, leading up to the sale, their sale to Microsoft, that leadership group made a decision that for the first two hours of every single day, there would be no social media, no phone calls, no meetings, no emails, so that they could get together, strategize and plot the future of the company. And it was out of those deep focus meetings, the isolation meetings that the ideas and principles and tactics and strategies emerged that enabled them to change the course of their business and ultimately be sold to Microsoft. So when we take the when we implement these ideas and are disciplined about about it, anything is possible. And we need to understand that we control our days. We control our time. We're far more in control of our lives than we actually give ourselves credit for. And so although it might seem like you need to hustle, you need to be super busy, you need to just keep hammering at all of this. It's when we initiate these principles like a daily workout, like five minutes of meditation in between meetings, like 90 minutes to work on your single most important project in a completely undistracted environment consistently over months that we make leaps in our ability to execute and in our actual accomplishments. So it's a slightly different approach, but it's one that I've seen over and over and over and over again in all disciplines, which is why I think that it's uh, another one of those universal human truths. No, that's great. And that example with the LinkedIn executives, do you see that 90-minute uninterrupted work most effective during that morning time? For business, yes, I believe that it is best to do it in the morning because that is when you have the most energy. That is when your decision fatigue is at its lowest. But there's two types of of people when it comes to our, our sleep physiology, there's early risers and then there's night owls. If you are an early riser, you wake up in the morning, you do your best work first thing in the morning. I do my very best work from 6.30 till about 11 o'clock every single day. Um, I know that I need to do, if I've got a big project, that is when I should be doing it. 
I'm not as effective in the afternoon. However, there's other groups of people that physiologically are night owls. They work much better in the afternoon and evening, in which case it might be better for those people to schedule their 90 minute blocks of work that where they attack their most important problems in the afternoon and evening. The most important thing is to do it consistently the exact same time of day when you are at your best physiologically, when your circadian rhythms are enabling you to be at your most energetic, most focused, highest levels of concentration, best alertness. And when you do that, that's when you have the best chance of making the greatest accomplishment. So pay attention to your own energy levels and you probably fall into one of those two categories. And if you do align your days accordingly. Yeah. And last thing I wanted to point out and Greg, I just want to just either you confirm this or not confirm this for those who are the early morning risers, most efficient, it's probably not best doing your emails at that time, right? Oh my gosh. Like the (laughs) second that you touch your email, you're on someone else's agenda. So I have turned off all of the notifications on all of my devices. I have no email alerts popping up on my computer. My phone does not buzz me. There's no audio notifications on any devices. I have an Apple watch. I turned off all the notifications on my Apple watch which is counterintuitive because that's kind of what it's designed to do is to give you notifications. (laughs) Um, But I've turned them all off. I now use it as a fitness tracker and that's it so that I can control my time. And again, world-class performers, all disciplines control their communications. And so if you sit down and you do all of your email from 10 to 11 AM, that's great. You've just spent four hours possibly in the morning crushing it on your most important tasks. Then you communicate for, for an hour get, you know, go for lunch, get a walk in, have a couple meetings, crush it for the afternoon and check your email again at four o'clock. So if we can compartmentalize our communications so that when we're communicating, we're all in on communication, that's great. It might be that you are, social media is a big part of your business. That's totally fine. Go all in on social media in a controlled manner. So when you're on social, you're engaged, you're intentional, but you're not compulsively scrolling through Instagram throughout the day, checking to see how many likes you got. That's not going to help you build a world-class business. So that is really the game. It's all about intention versus compulsion, controlling your time, blocking your tasks, and giving yourself the opportunity to go all in and focus deeply on whatever it is that you're doing at any given moment. That way you do it at a world-class level before moving on to the next thing. It's when we sprinkle and mix and quote unquote multitask, which is physiologically impossible (laughs) that we, that we get into trouble. And then we end up at the end of our days, completely exhausted, knowing that we were super busy, but not really sure what we've accomplished. Now that's great. I mean, getting so much insight, so much tips. So if you are listening uh, and if you learn one thing, one takeaway, I'm going to just say this now, Greg, as, as we're probably around the halfway mark, is uh, turn off all your notifications. Do, do yourself a favor <laughs> so you could focus. <laughs> yeah, and it's it, people often think like they're being selfish or, oh, I can't do that in my business. And of course, if you're in sales and part of your job is to respond to email quickly, I mean, that's, that is what it is. But people think that it's impossible to do. I could never get away with it. The fact is, if you do it, no one's going to notice. People are quite happy to get responses um, you know, an hour or two afterwards. As long as it's a thoughtful, well-thought-out response and it's powerful, they'll get used to the way that you operate. You can totally control your time. Don't be afraid to do that. No, 100%. And, and if for those who have reached out to me, I've implemented like an auto-reply on my email like almost 10 years ago. And people still are like, Edwin, how do you do that? I'm just like, I just turned it on. Yeah. <laughs> Um, You all have it. You all have it. 
How are you enjoying this conversation? I'd love to hear from you. If you have any comments, questions that relate to something that we said, love to hear from you. Join me on my Facebook group where I discuss this episode, share exclusive videos, daily insights. I'll answer your questions and connect you with other like-minded business leaders. Simply go to Facebook, search for the Business Leadership Group, or go to thebusinessleadership.com slash FB group. I'm excited to see you there. Now let's get back to it. I'm um, Greg, I just want to change focus. I wanted just to bring light in terms of some of your work that, that you've put out there as well. Um, and I'd love it if you could just quickly, um, super high level, we might go deep, um, but also respect uh, all the listeners' time and your time, obviously, is, is the concept of your book, The Ripple Effect. Um, how specifically how it will improve the health supercharge their life and ultimately reach um, the full potential of the person right so a few years ago i wrote the book the ripple effect and it's been a it's completely changed my life because it was crazy successful i couldn't be more honored that i mean it's getting me the chance to do stuff like this this podcast it's crazy and it came out of a time in 2012 when i was hustling uh, I was launching my university career as a prof. I was building a new lab at Sick Kids Hospital in Toronto. My wife, Judith, was finishing grad school. I had a two-year-old, so I wasn't sleeping. We were moving houses. I was getting ready to go commentate the Olympics. My first book was coming out. <laughs> um, it was just, it was, bon- I was starting a public speaking career. Like it was crazy. And when Ingrid got a cold from daycare, I got the cold. And it went, the virus went straight into my heart and I ended up with viral myocarditis because I was so run down. I was hospitalized and it was an epic nightmare. I actually checked myself into one of the hospitals where I work, uh, Toronto General, which was super embarrassing. And out of that came the realization that the way that I was working wasn't working and that I needed to do things differently. And lying in the hospital, I was looking around and I noticed that everyone was getting woken up by the alarms at all hours of the day. So nobody was sleeping. Um, They brought us food in the morning and the food that they brought us in the cardiac ward caused heart disease. So that was kind of mind blowing and nobody was moving. Everyone's lying around and that's what again causes cardiovascular disease. So it was a micro example of what was going on in society. And we consider in North America, we have 68% of us who have overweight or obesity we have 85% that don't get enough physical activity to prevent a chronic disease. That's not even to be healthy. That's just not to get cancer and cardiovascular disease and depression. And we have one in five North Americans who have anxiety, depression, and other mental health challenges. So these numbers are frightening. And I wanted to try to address that because you know it's a series of individual, individual emergencies, and I was one of those emergencies. So we began with sleep. Judith and I overhauled the way that we sleep at home, blackout blinds, consistent bedtimes, always getting seven to eight hours most of the time, almost all the time, and really changed the way that we operated. We completely overhauled our nutrition at home, going largely plant-based and Mediterranean-style eating. Not to say I don't eat meat from time to time, I do, uh, but we're just focused more on uh, as many vegetables as we can possibly get in over the course of the day and eating really healthy food that, you know, real food that we recognize as food, no, no processed foods and working out every day. And simply by implementing that over the course of a year from the summer of 2012, when I was in the hospital to the summer of 2013, summer of 2013, I was able to do an Ironman triathlon and finish 
not fast, but I got it, got it done. Wow. And interestingly, that's when my business exploded. So it was when I started taking care of myself physically, mentally, and emotionally that the side hustle business that I had exploded and I've had 30% growth in that business now six years in a row. And it's now become this monster that I'm going all in on. Uh, so it was, it was bizarre that once I controlled my lifestyle and took more time for myself, that everything else in my life started to go so much better. And ultimately, my life is in a totally different place as a result. And we're all we're all so much happier, so much healthier, and, and so much more successful these days. No, that's great. And that brings up to an earlier point that you you had brought up was like designing this lifestyle and everything else will make sense, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it's um, you know, it's now at the point where like so we're sort of 7 years into into this journey where we are radically controlling our our lifestyle and Judith and I have really engineered everything that we're doing on a daily basis to enable Judith to have a, a great practice she's a a chiropractor acupuncture massage therapist uh, so she's got a medical practice that she's that she's working on and it's going extremely well we've got two children who are in school uh, but they're doing lots of activities, but we still manage to spend as a, a lot of time with them. Uh, and I've managed to craft a, a really interesting career path and a really interesting, fun business that is exploding. And so we're doing far more than we were seven, year, seven years ago. Uh, I would argue that we're far more impactful in our lives and the effect that we're having for other people. I would say that Judith and I are better parents than we were seven years ago and our kids are healthier than they were seven years ago. Everything is better. We're doing far more, yet our lifestyle is completely different than it was. And it's so much more aligned and so much more effective. So yeah, it's it's been a fun, fun journey and uh, it hasn't been easy to do by any stretch of the imagination. It's bizarre. It's weird. People think we're crazy in the way we do things, but it's going really, really well. I love it. I love very inspirational for me personally, and I hope I hope those listening as well could could really see you know making small changes in their life that that can make an impact a couple of years down the road. Um, I really wanted to ask just real quickly um, because those who listen um, also manage um, high performing teams as well, and I I know you have sort of a five step process for establishing a healthy high performing team. Um, can, can you share that with us today? Yeah, absolutely. So in 2003, when I was finishing up my PhD at the University of Toronto, I graduated. And of course, when you get your PhD, no one will hire you. So I was unemployed after 15 years of grad school. And <laughs> uh, so I, I heard about an expedition to go cycle across Africa. So I went and joined the expedition and we cycled from Cairo, Egypt to Cape Town, South Africa as the first ever Tour d'Afrique bike race, um, 8,000 miles it ended up in the Guinness Book of World Records as the fastest fastest hum, human powered crossing of Africa. I didn't get into the Guinness Book of World Records because I crashed my bike in Malawi when I hit a cow, but eight of our uh, team did. And it was interesting when we were in that environment, cycling across the Sahara Desert or up and down the mountains in Ethiopia or you know through poverty stricken Malawi and the political turmoil of Zimbabwe. I mean, we were in very, very difficult situations. We did not have clean water. We were not not necessarily eating healthy foods. We were sleeping in tents on the ground on the side of the road in the middle of Africa. Like it was super intense, um, very, very difficult mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And there was about 30 people that were on the expedition. And it was interesting as I 
as we were moving through this environment, becoming more and more stressed, more and more fatigued, more and more injured, that the group fractured. And there was really three groups of people that all kind of went into defensive mode. And at certain points, it was absolutely clear that it was every person for themselves, which was really scary in that type of an environment when there was no support system. This is before mobile phones became ubiquitous throughout the world. So you're on your own and you know that you're days away from a hospital and days away from support in many cases. So it was super stressful. Obviously, it was successful in the end, and it's an experience that I would never take away. And I, I loved every second of it, and it completely altered who I am for the better. And I'm still very good friends with many of the people that were on on the trip. We actually just did a, a reunion expedition in uh, just to go to a safari in, in Africa recently. But what coming out of that, and then doing multiple expeditions, mountain climbing, and other things with different groups, um, I've become fascinated by teams, and then and what makes teams successful and what t- makes teams not successful. I thought it was somewhat random or it depended upon who was on the, I was on the expedition with, but it turns out according to research by Google called project Aristotle, which everyone should te- check out that there are some patterns that successful teams implement. And those patterns, the mechanism about how the team operates turns out to be more important than the people that are on the team. And there's specific keys to high performance teams that when activated, enable teams to perform at their best. The first one being clarity of vision. If the team is clear about where they're going and what they're trying to accomplish, then it's more likely that the team is going to perform at the highest possible level. So the fact that we were able to cycle across Africa, the first group ever to cycle across Africa enabled us to get through those difficult times. Elon Musk speaks of Tesla as creating a carbon-free future, not as a car company, for example. The second element is psychological safety, making sure that the support is outweighs the risks that are being taken. The third element being dependability. People do what they actually say they're going to do, which means shifting into priority management, not time management. And then the last two are wrapped up together in meaning and impact. It's becoming This is becoming exceptionally important for the millennial generation and the Z- Gen Z generations, um, who demand this of us in the jobs that they that they do. So when we have those five factors together, clarity of vision, psychological safety, dependability, meaning, and impact, that enables teams to operate at their absolute best. So I've become somewhat obsessed lately about exploring that idea and finding ways in which we can actually do that because now I'm leading a team of people to try to do something really powerful in the world. So that's definitely something to consider uh, for all the people listening. There's a really good summary of it in the New York Times. If you search New York Times, um, high performance teams or Project Aristotle, you'll find the article and it's uh, it's really interesting deep dive into it. Well, that's great. I appreciate you sharing that. And when when you bring in this five-step process, um, typically with if you're within a large organization and you're managing a small team within that is it helpful that it's coming from top from the sea level like you mentioned Elon Musk or can you do it and isolate this within a small team as well it works all the way down so the ceo must have that clarity of vision or the company won't work well Similarly, senior executives within their departments must have that clarity of vision and that clarity of vision must be communicated to everyone who is on that team. But it also works in projects. So if people are beginning a project within uh, a company, that project team can follow this pathway. Uh, an analogy is it works in schools If with principals. The principals must have a clear vision for the school. Then the teachers must have a clear vision of school for each of the classrooms. And then within the classroom, there may be certain learning units that occur 
And there must be clarity of vision and dependability and psychological safety and meaning and impact for all of those different layers. When we have that within our organizations, even if it's a small team, then everything works at a much more efficient, much more effective level. Relationships improve, outcomes improve. And it's an interesting uh, strategy to be able to use because it renders team performance uh, it turns team performance into something that's controllable and consistent. No, thank you for sharing. Really appreciate that, Greg. Um, with this podcast, I've been building out an amazing uh, reading list uh, for myself and for my listeners. Is there something that you're currently reading now um, that had some impact or, or something that you're you're really happy that you, you learned? It doesn't have to be nonfiction or personal, but it could be something on the fiction, um, but that you'd love to share with us today. Yeah. You know, one of the books that I think everyone might really like, it's a huge book. It's really thick. It's, you know, it's, it's not a, a paperback is a day at L bully L um, E L B U L L I. And it's a thick book. It's all about a restaurant called L bully, which is one of the top restaurants in the world. It operated in Spain for a few years and it was generally considered to be one of the best restaurants on the planet. It was only open for six months a year. They'd shut down for six months. They'd open for six months. They'd change the menu every single day. And they, the reason why I recommend it for people is because it's incredible insight into the create the creative process. The menus are there. The tools are there. The process that they use for coming up with new recipes is there. The, uh, the description of how they operate the restaurant and create experiences is there. So it's a beautiful template that people can use to try to figure out or get some inspiration around creating unique experiences and building gorgeous processes that operate within the company and optimizing the creativity and the different ways in which you can operate. People often think that businesses must run 24-7, 365 these days, but this is an example of someone that took six months off every year just to be creative and come up with new ideas. And the end result was the most successful restaurant on the planet for a while. So check out a day at El Bully. Dan L. Bully. Thank you for sharing that. I'm super excited. I, I was writing it down as, uh, as you were talking just for myself um, um, to check it out. Can you, Greg, uh, quickly name a person who had a tremendous impact uh, to you as a business leader, um, anyone who comes to mind, and, and why? What did they do? Um, you know, I had a chance to spend a few minutes with Steve Wozniak a couple years ago. We were both speaking at the same event and we had a chance to chat in the green room uh, after Steve got off the stage. And, you know, f- five minutes with Steve Wozniak is pretty powerful. And uh, one of the really interesting things that we ended up talking about was creativity and that that's really what it was all about for him was the ability to be creative, to enable other people to be more creative and how his entire life was geared around having fun and playing, playing jokes, like telling jokes, learning jokes, and just thoroughly enjoying his life. And I thought that was really fascinating. You know, he had billions of dollars of Apple stock. He gave almost all of it away to uh, Apple employees, kept a I think about a hundred million for himself because he figured that's the most that he could ever have or spend in his lifetime. <laughs> so pretty wild how his principles in life were completely aligned. I was blown away by the fact that he was more focused on creativity than engineering, or he used engineering as a vehicle for creativity 
and how he really worked on trying to build fun and laughter and happiness into his entire life. Uh, yeah, it, it was one of the most awesome five minutes of I, I've ever had in my life and uh, really, really impactful, even though it was only five minutes. Oh, that's amazing. Thank you for sharing that story. Uh, and it only puts it puts things into perspective as well as you talk about, you know, some of his passions and what he did. And and also, like, how much money is really enough, right? <laughs> it's uh, it's an interesting point of view. I could make do with 100 million. I'm pretty sure I could figure that yeah, out. Yeah, exactly, right? I could, I could make that work. <laughs> um, fun question. If I were to ask any of your team members, current or past, colleagues, peers, uh, what's the best leadership quality that Greg possessed? What do you think they would say? Uh, you know, probably I think the best leadership quality that I have is probably also my biggest weakness uh, is the fact that I really give people autonomy um, and freedom to do what they want and to focus on and leverage their strengths, which is great in some cases because people have the complete freedom to do what they want to do and to operate um, autonomously. Similarly, it can be a bit of a drawback. Some people need more interaction than others, and I've I've definitely sort of let that line out too far in certain situations, um, and that's caused some resentment at the same time. So yeah, I think that my trust of people, my ability to give people the freedom to do what they want to do and to leverage their own strengths and to, um, I, I like to see the ultimate in delegation basically. Uh, but it's a fine line between making that work and, uh, letting it go out too far. And uh, sometimes it works and sometimes it hasn't worked. So it's, that's a work in progress, something I'm still operating on and, and trying to get better at. But I think that would be my greatest strength and my greatest weakness. Oh, awesome. Well, thank you for that. So what else is going on, Greg? I know I know we talked a bunch of stuff. We talked about some of the goals of hitting a billion people. Um, but do you have any other special projects, initiatives, or, or anything super, super fun that you're looking towards or or losing sleep about? Yeah, it's a, that's a really relevant question. I have been losing sleep for the last few nights about um, really setting the stage for the future. So I've gone through a huge 2018 was a big year of transition. Uh, you know, after getting tenured at the university, I retired uh, and moved full time into being an entrepreneur. I kept my research practice at the hospital because I love generating knowledge and doing research on exercise medicine. But I'm now a full time entrepreneur because I want to have that massive impact globally, and I feel like I can do that through business a little bit more easily than I can as a professor. So that's been a big area of transition. So I'm now building the company uh, that can take the ideas from the books that I write and the speeches that I give and turn those into powerful, uh, in, I'll call it interventions, but you know, powerful products for people in, at schools and in businesses that can enable them to perform better, get healthier, reach their potential. So it's a massive project. It's a massive undertaking. It's hugely risky. I gave away pension, benefits, security, job for life uh, in order to go out and, and be an entrepreneur, which I'm, I'm sure I'll will create more sleepless nights in the future, but I'm ground level building a, building a practice, building a company, building a, building an initiative, and I'm having a blast doing it, but everything's up in the air at the moment. And we're, we're, we're exploding things are going, you know, they could not be, could not be better. I, I wouldn't want to be doing anything differently, but, but we are uh, in full on growth mode at the moment in, in around everything that I'm doing. So it's fun and, and that's what's going on. And I hopefully we'll be able to come back at some point in the future and, tell you how fantastic it's all it's all gone 100% super excited for you and, and obviously Greg anything any changes anything we could do to help you in your world reach out uh, and would love to help 
Yeah, absolutely. I will certainly be doing that. You may regret making that statement, but I'm, I'll definitely think about that for sure. <laughs> no worries. Um, before we end, any final thoughts, Greg, observations, or ideally what, what I'd like to leave um, with our listeners is actionable recommendations uh, that you could share to the growing business leader or entrepreneur who, who is listening today. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, one of the things that we've been working on a lot that I think is huge for entrepreneurs and business leaders is to make sure that you control your environment. So we've talked a lot about health and well-being today. And one of the easiest ways to make sure that you and your team are as healthy as possible is to provide as many health options in and around your environment. So at your office, do an, do an audit, get healthy food in there, get healthy snacks in there. It doesn't mean you can't have a treat from time to time, but give people the option to eat great foods when they're stressed, um, support people in their physical fitness journey by being a visible participant in physical activity yourself. Talk about your training. Um, tell people you're going to Soul Cycle for lunch. Um, be visible. So control your environment. Be physical. Understand that being a business leader also means helping people with their personal lives and their personal health as well. And if you can do that, you're going to have massive impact for not just for yourself, but for your team as well. Awesome. Thank you for sharing. To close, Greg, can you share where we could find more information about you, your work, or anything else you'd like to share with us today? Yeah, that's great. Um, please connect with me at my website, drgregwells.com. I'm on social at drgregwells. Uh, LinkedIn is probably the best place. Check me out, Dr. Greg Wells, and love to communicate with everybody. I have a podcast as well. It's the Dr. Greg Wells podcast. If anyone wants to check that out, I interview world-leading experts on health, performance, and uh, it goes from military people to athletes to business leaders. So love people to check that out as well. Yeah, it's definitely a great podcast. Thank you for joining us on the Business Leadership Podcast, Greg. Thanks so much, Edwin. I loved it. Uh, really appreciate the opportunity to connect with your audience. It's been a blast. Appreciate it. Look forward to doing round two. We'll talk soon. That's it, biz leaders. Thank you for joining me on the Business Leadership Podcast milestone episode number 100 with Dr. Greg Wells. If you want to learn more about Dr. Wells, the Wells Group, his books, or anything else that we discuss, please go to thebusinessleadership.com slash 100. Join me on my free private Facebook group where I will discuss this episode, answer your questions, and connect you with other like-minded business leaders. Simply go to thebusinessleadership.com slash FB group or search for the Business Leadership Group directly in Facebook. If you haven't done so yet, please subscribe and rate the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you are listening to this podcast today. Thank you again. Super grateful. Honored to have spent this time with you. Edwin signing off. Thank you for listening to the Business Leadership Podcast at thebusinessleadership.com. <laughs>